picture this with me. You just brought home your sweet, precious, angelic bundle of joy from the hospital. And I mean, you're hours in. So they sleep all the time. You're still probably on some meds, so you're feeling good. And you're just in this bliss, this motherhood bliss. But then the days and the weeks and the months go by and you're staring into space with seven-day-old hair, bottles and diapers for both you and the baby are laying everywhere. And you're like, what the actual did we just do? Today, I'm chatting with Andrea Berkeley, who is a licensed clinical professional counselor who is also certified in perinatal mental health, meaning she specializes in working with women through pregnancy and postpartum and helping couples through the parenting years because it's a lot. She is also the co-host of the Honest Women podcast, who I found through a friend and fell absolutely in love with. I think any woman should listen. They consider it a podcast equivalent of drinks with your best mom friends if your best mom friends just happen to be therapists. And I have to agree because that's exactly what it feels like. We dive into those days and weeks and months following having a baby and how that affects our marriages and just the shift that takes place within us as women. And she just brings some comfort into the chaos of that season. Honestly, this was so helpful for me and I know it will be for you as well. So thank you for being here today, Andrea. I've loved your podcast with Jessica, Honest Women. A friend of mine sent it over and I totally connected with you guys right away because I feel like there was just this aspect of realness, um, but then Mm -hmm. obviously coming to the table with education and expertise as therapists. And that's just a really, really cool dynamic. So I'm pumped to have you on today. One of the big topics that is a conversation point with me and my friends and Mm -hmm. other women that I've spoken with or I've seen online is just how difficult the transition is for partners and for married couples once kids come into Mm -hmm. the picture. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's something that, at least for me, people, you know, they talked about it being hard and it being a transition. Right. But I'm, I was almost like, did you just not tell me this so that we actually would have a kid? Because this sucks. (laughs) Yeah. You start to get the feeling that maybe everyone's lied to you. And we have this conversation, Mm -hmm. even we've been married 18 years, we have four kids. And this is the most frequent conversation that we have when we go out on date nights. We're like having fun together. Yeah. And then one of us will stop and look at the other and be like, why didn't they tell us? Why did mm-hmm. no one tell us how this was mm-hmm. going to decimate our lives and our marriage for so long? Why? Yes. We, I think my son was maybe six months or so. And my husband and I had been married for nine years or eight, eight and a half years whenever we yeah. had him. And I remember us sitting on the couch at one point in the throes of sleep deprivation and all the new, you know, parenthood hormones and feelings. And we just looked at each other and I said, I don't like you. And he said, good, because I don't like you either. And we just like, (laughs) and that was that. that. And I would love to talk through kind of what it is and if there's ways to prepare our marriages for that or how to repair things once we're already in the throes of it and just kind of get your feedback on all of that. Yeah. I do want to say that I think having a conversation like this is one of the first steps because when we know that something's coming, then we can be, it's not that it doesn't happen, it still happens, but Mm -hmm. we can be more prepared for it and we can maybe judge ourselves a little bit less or feel a little bit less panicked because there's a real sense, at least there was for us, like, okay, so if I don't like you anymore, or we don't work well together, or it feels like our life is gone, then maybe we did it wrong to start. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe I chose the wrong person. Maybe we never should have had children. You know what I mean? You start Mm -hmm. to have these pretty heavy, dark 
thoughts because you didn't know that it was going to be like this. Mm-hmm. But if you know, like, hey, everybody goes through this, then you just don't get so freaked out when it's happening. You know it's going to pass, you know? Totally. And sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit of a rain cloud whenever people are getting ready to have kids. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. let me tell you all the things <laughs> yeah. people don't tell you. Yeah. And then they're just like looking at me like a deer in headlights. Like maybe, maybe this is why people don't tell you things. Yes. Because it's yes. so overwhelming. Yes. Amanda, you will laugh at this. This is so inappropriate um, at the time <laughs> and also now, but I'm going to say it anyway. So <laughs> – I remember right after having our first, my dearest friend from college, one of my girls that I lived with, she was pregnant and she was like in the end of her pregnancy, that glowing, expectant, can't wait for this moment part Mm -hmm. of the pregnancy. And so she called me and she asked me, so you know, what's it like being a mom? Is it so great having a baby? Like, you know, she was asking, it was a leading question, right? Like I could have been like, it's great. I did not say that. (laughs) I said, Sarah, it's like being kicked in the face by a horse. My face is still caved in. Yeah, 100%. I think I have a traumatic brain injury. That's what it felt like. Like I'm in pain. I didn't see this coming. Oh my God. You know, I'm sure she was like, "Ah, ah, ah." Um, you know, at the time I did have postpartum depression and I did have a colicky baby and I did what you were doing with your friends, which is the wise and kind thing to do, which is to say like, let me break this down for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think she was quite ready to receive that. The funny follow-up to that story is that she ended up having postpartum depression. Another like high achieving, mm-hmm. my life is in order. I know where everything's going. So I'm like prepared and I'm going to be the best mom. And then you know and I know that that's just not how it feels. Mm-hmm. And she didn't tell me at the time, but she did. She was like, I'm really glad that you told me what happened to you because mm. then I – could get help and get out, you know, of where yeah, I was. Yeah, and you don't so. feel so crazy right. in the moment knowing that other people have been there and stuff that I think we think maybe isn't or we assume isn't normal actually really is common. Yeah. It, even I like to tell women who come to see me for therapy after they have babies, even when everything goes right, like the, it's not a great time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like even mm-hmm. when everything goes right, this is a wild ride. And a lot of times everything doesn't go right. So what are some of the factors that attribute to the chaos that ensues after Mm -hmm. we have kiddos? Yeah. So I think that one of the first things is that we have expectations for delivery, for... yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. We should definitely (laughs) jump into that. We have expectations for delivery, for breastfeeding, for what it's going to feel like to have a baby and how I'm going to feel inside. Our expectations are all wrong. You know, I Mm -hmm. I think it's 30%. It might be as high as 40% of women in the U.S. have C-sections. Let me tell you, that is not a birth that went well. So it, it can start with a surprise at the very beginning, and then you get this baby home and I don't know, man, those early days are, they're rough. They're just not what you expect. I expected like, I'm full of love. I bring home this beautiful little like, like this little thing that I could just hold. And then I would like put the baby in a bassinet by the window Mm -hmm. and the sunlight would shine in. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know, I would go, it was pretty as a picture. That's what I expected. That's what I actually literally expected. And it did not feel like that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I saw myself just turn into this like perfectly, I don't know why Amish comes to mind. I just assume the Amish are like really good moms. Yes. (laughs) But in this, you know, beautiful house dress and this long flowing hair and, you know, I just automatically have all of this wonderful, you know, nurturing ability and like you said, with the birth story, and I definitely want to go back to that because we prepare and we research and we, you know, ask for 
suggestions and we have our birth mm-hmm. plan planned out and mm-hmm. I had I brought in lamps and I was having a water birth and I had my right. playlist and my essential oils and yes. all of my yoga plans and whatever else mm-hmm. and in reality I spent 24 hours crapping myself and puking right. everywhere and right. it was the most unpeaceful traumatizing experience. Right, right. And we have no insight into this. I think that when back in the day when people had a village and it was like just all the women gathered around, don't you think that, you know, it would be like, it's birthing time. And then like even the little kids that were girls would go and see like auntie so-and-so have a baby. And that shit is, it's, it's real. It's extra. It is raw. Yes. It is. You know, it's not just peacefully bouncing on a ball and then, no. you know, a few little grunts and the baby's out. Right. Like who who made that a thing? Right. Yeah. Even if you see like a quote realistic depiction of labor, it's not. It's like one minute of a scene in mm-hmm. a movie. One minute is different than 24 hours mm-hmm. or longer. 100%. You know, one minute. I don't know. I've never seen a C-section in a movie probably because it's so horrifying and that is not glamorous. No, it's not. And it's just, you're just not ready. We, nobody goes into labor thinking it's going to go wrong. Nobody. In my middle school and high school years, I was a very small human. I had a little bit of an eating disorder. Um, Mm -hmm. I was very small human and I dated a boy at the time, very traditional. And he told me I was like a hundred pounds and he was like, you have childbearing hips. Oh, and I was like, and I was like, oh, thank you, evangelical boy. I know I can make all your dreams come true. I shall bear your children. By the way, I'm not married to that guy now. But you know what I mean? My expectation uh-huh. was that early on, even like as an anorexic 13 or 14 or 16-year-old, that I was just going to – I was made to make a baby and out it goes. Mm-hmm. It didn't go like that. It's not as natural as – you would think. And that no. leads into breastfeeding as well because n- nursing might have been the worst experience of my entire life. But right. before we move past the birth experience, yeah, my husband was not prepared for mm-hmm. the impact that watching me go through this had on him. Right. And it was to the point where, so my son's three now, and there's been, you know, conversation over the last couple of years of having another child. And he's like, honestly, if you don't want to go through that again, I'm fine because yeah. if it's going to be like it was, I I cannot do that again. Right. And I think the men are extra unprepared for, right. you know, watching their partner go through such a traumatic experience. Mm. What, how can we, how can we help them? He's like looking at me crying and I'm like, I'm in so much pain. Why are you crying? You know, I I know. How, how do we support them in this time? Okay. You know, what's really funny is that I, I did not know about this really when I was having a baby. And if I had to go back and have a baby now with what I know now, I would hire a doula. Mm, I remember mm-hmm. thinking it's so easy, it's so clear. And honestly, I also remember thinking we're in such good hands. We're in a hospital. We're going to get so much attention. And that was not my experience. You know, we did have life-saving measures. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was true, but they got a lot of people to take care of. And so you might have someone pop in and then say, "Oh, you're not having the baby now." And then an hour or 2 hours later before mm-hmm. they come back, So I think I would hire a doula if I had, you know, someone who's been there before who can say, hey, dad, like, you know what? Hold your hand right now. Or, hey, dad, why don't you go get some ice, you know, (laughs) lap, (laughs) give some permission to leave, you know, or, hey, you know, I know she's like screaming at your face and this is really normal and it's okay, right? Someone to kind of walk you through that whole process. I think that could be really nice. I, I would have as a pregnant first time mom been like we don't need that you know but on the other side of this i would a uh, i would do that i would recommend that and i know it's an expense but 
it's a big, it's a big ass deal. Let's treat it like yeah. a big ass deal. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's a, it's a big yeah. deal. Let's, let's, let's give it the, I don't know, serious treatment that it deserves. You wouldn't go into any other life-changing thing without a guide. There's no one thing that's going to work, you know? So for every person who's like, that was what saved my labor, there's going to be someone else who's like, doesn't help me that much. And I do mm-hmm. think that that's part of normalizing this conversation is like, let's share the stories. Let's be prepared. Let's talk about this openly. But maybe let's stay connected to other people during this whole process. You know, when you're pregnant, when you have your baby, postpartum, because sometimes we just need someone to be alongside us when it's all gone wrong, you know? And just to be able to tell you that it's normal, that whatever you're experiencing is okay and normal. My son ended up in the NICU. And so when they put him on my chest, which again, I was, this was my first time. I didn't know things I had in my head, how it was supposed to be skin to skin, all the, all the things, put them on me, immediately take them off. And I don't see them for five hours. Then once we were in the NICU and thank God for nurses, because they are angels Mm -hmm. personified. We had Mm -hmm. one NICU nurse who she was so great at just coming in and being like, hey, this is this is okay. This is normal. You're doing great. For me, I started out motherhood because the birth experience didn't go as I planned and as I imagined. It was almost like I started out failing yes. and kind of just took that into the first several months of being a mom. Yes. Amanda, I echo that. And I think it's so true for so many of us. That was my own story too. Uh, A Mm. very abbreviated version of my, you know, my first child's birth is that, Mm -hmm. well, okay. So this is why people don't tell you stories, horrible stories before you have a baby. So I was like 38 and a half weeks pregnant. I had a girlfriend who was pregnant at the time and knew a lot of other women who having, having babies. And she's like, I just heard the worst story. Do you want me to tell you? I, you know, uh, no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she told me about a an acquaintance of hers who was pregnant, felt the baby stop moving, but had some other things to do. Like you got to put the other kids to bed. And then by the time they got to the hospital, the baby had died. Like okay. she was scheduled to go in and have her baby the next day. It just, you know, there were those alarm bells. So mm-hmm. she told me, mm-hmm. just pay attention. Just just notice, as if I wasn't already, right? Sure. First time mom. But I'm thankful for that because I did, like I had been noticing that my baby was slowing down and we know that they're slowing down and no one wants to be the mom who called wolf, right? Like I remember feeling embarrassed communicating to my doctor, I'm, a, I'm worried, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. a lot of times you get the response. It's normal to worry. Everyone's worried. Everything's fine. But – it wasn't fine. I went to my mm-hmm. last appointment, 39 weeks. My doctor was headed out of town. It was a holiday weekend. I was like, I'm worried that you're leaving. I'm worried that something's wrong. And she's like, there's nothing wrong and you're not having a baby today, but let's just pop into the ultrasound room and see. And then you'll know that it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. So she like, you know, starts the ultrasound. I look at her. She's looking at the monitor. Her face just balls. And she turns to me and goes, hey, we're having a baby today. And then she was like, hey, I'm leaving on vacation. I was like, what? Like, it was just, it was, she was part of a practice of a group of doctors. So she was leaving. She's like, but you're going to be in good hands. Long story short, my, my, I, I had stopped making amniotic fluid. The placenta just didn't do its job at the end. So my Mm -hmm. baby was like, you know, those like Ziploc bags that you can suck Mm -hmm. the air out of. Mm-hmm. That was like my baby. I imagine him being like sucked in there, right? They said, well, we're still going to try to induce. I still don't know why. I wouldn't have chosen that. But I think I still was like, oh, well, they're saying it's fine. It's going to be fine. It wasn't fine. We had a night, 12 hours overnight of Pitocin contractions and a little Ziplocked mm-hmm. baby. And all the monitors would drop and the nurses would run in. And then, you know, they flip you over and give you oxygen. And But you can only go through that so many times. Mm-hmm. I mean – I think once is enough. The birth was traumatic. We ended up having an emergency C-section. By the time it was, they were like, we should do this. I'm like, yes, why have we not been doing yeah. Like, why have we been waiting? 
It's, yeah. you know, the whole running down the hall, your husband's shoved out that they say, we'll let you come in. You're getting an app. It was just a disaster. And then my baby was born silent and blue, as blue, <sighs> blue, blue as could be. And, you know, then a couple minutes later, they're like, well, he's doing great. He's breathing really well. His APGAR scores have come up. And there was a sense of like, all's well that ends well. Mm. And that's bullshit. Yep. It's not. All that stuff that we went through, and you went through your own experiences too of like, this thing is out of control. Or maybe I'm worried about, can I do this? Or is my baby okay? Um, those times I were, they were rushing in at night and his heart rate was dropping. One of those times I was hooked up, you know, you're hooked up to the monitors and I was starting to fall asleep. I had an epidural, but I could hear the beeping on the monitor slow. And like I said, you're not in a one-to-one -one care situation. So I woke up. I was like, Dan, Dan, the monitor, mm -hmm. like he's stopping, like his heart rate is stopping and he ran out to get a nurse. Like what the hell, man? So when you go through these things, whether you're the birthing partner or the other partner, the husband, when you think that your life or the life of your child is at risk, mm -hmm. even if, quote, quote, it's not, that's trauma. And so, 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 so many of us go through birth, no matter how it ends, and it's traumatic. And there's no, at least very limited amount of resources to address that part of the process. Mm -hmm. One of the mm -hmm. doctors in the NICU told me that I was starving my baby because my milk wasn't coming in. Ugh. And this was like 36 hours after having him, which this sweet nurse that I was telling you about right. came in and said, no one's milk comes in that fast. Like this, no. you are doing great. This is normal. Right. But I think for doctors, and obviously I want to, you know, give them credit where credit's due. This is a job for them. And right. I wish there was some resource for new parents in the hospital, in the NICU, within the couple first couple weeks of coming home. Are there therapists that specialize in this that can just yeah. come in and help you process the birth experience? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually a certified perinatal mental health specialist. There's a wonderful, uh, because of all this, because of all mm. this, there's a wonderful organization called Postpartum Support International. They're not the only ones who offer training, but they've developed a framework around like, what do you need to do to be able to call yourself a specialist? And mm -hmm. so I had to take a lot of training and I had to take a big expensive test. And now I am certified in that way. And there's a lot of us. It, you don't have to go to someone with their PMHC to be able to be well-treated, but I recommend it if you have the mm -hmm. option because that person has really dug in and said, this is my area of specialty. You know, we talked a little okay. bit about what can you do to prepare for this? What mm -hmm. can you do to repair after going, well, that wasn't what I expected. And, you know, that's not just about birth, but it's about those first weeks or months of going like, what the hell? You should go to therapy. You mm -hmm. should go to therapy. And I can say this not just because I'm a therapist, but because I went through this, the, you know, traumatic birth, and then my baby ended up being colicky. So talk about thinking you failed. I, I was yeah. like, I broke him. I broke the baby. I, I, I was a bad mom because I didn't know how bad things were for him. Mm. I didn't get him here safely. He's broken in some way and he cries all the time. And mm. sometimes I think that was just me that was traumatized. But no, every once in a while we'll be around family members and mm -hmm. they'll be like, holy, sh holy shit. Do you remember Matthew's first year? They all like have survivor eyes. I'm like, bro, you were not there most of the time, okay? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned that I had postpartum depression with him. It was very mm -hmm. um, – quick like it was a quick onset and it was pretty it was it was rough it was pretty serious mm -hmm. i got into my doctor thank goodness my stepmom knew that i needed help and they prescribed medication that probably i, I don't know if i'll say it saved our lives but man it really vastly improved them right but i never even once had someone recommend that i go to therapy wow. never once so there I was with like a certified case of postpartum depression, taking medication to balance out my hormones and my neurotransmitters, right? This is what we have to do if you're in that space. But 
the rest of us are just riding that ride because your hormones and your neurotransmitters are also out of whack. I had my second baby. It went better, but I was never recommended to go to counseling. And then my, it was not until my third baby when I was super anxious, which a lot of people don't realize that anxiety after pregnancy is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just depression. And so finally I went to counseling and it made all the difference. Can you describe what some of your symptoms were with postpartum depression and anxiety? I think with postpartum depression, a lot of people think it's like, oh, she's just crying all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I did cry. I think for me, I felt really like I did not feel bonded to my baby. I that mm-hmm. sense of failure that you cannot escape or yep. guilt that doesn't tie to anything, a sense that you can't do it. So I remember my mom was there the first week after I had the baby and I remember crying to her and saying I can't do this. I can't do it. And she was like, "Are you feeding the baby?" I said, "Yes." Not well, by the way, just like you. I was told that I didn't have enough milk at the beginning. We started supplementing at the beginning. It was it made the whole first experience of trying to breastfeed a real nightmare. Are you keeping him clean? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, are you changing his diaper? I was like, you know, yeah. And she's like, well, you're doing it. This mm-hmm. is it. And I was like, this is not it. I'm yeah. it. You know, this, this yeah. cannot be it. This is not what I signed up for. So yeah, a sense of guilt, a sense of failure, fear, I think, having trouble bonding with the baby, but also just not feeling like yourself. And it's so hard, Amanda, because a lot of these symptoms are considered normal baby Mm -hmm. blues. In the first, they usually onset two to three days after you have a baby. They can last up to two weeks because not just someone who has postpartum depression or anxiety, but somebody, anybody who's just given birth to a baby, your hormones plummet. The estrogen and progesterone that you had skyrocketing in your body when you were having that, when you were growing that baby, they plummet after birth. Those are also precursors to dopamine and to serotonin. So you know how if you're pregnant, you feel really good, you're calm, but you're happy? Yep. After you have a baby and your estrogen and your progesterone plummet, you might not feel so calm and happy because those precursors to dopamine and serotonin are gone. Gone. Yeah. Until you start cycling again. Mm. A lot of us feel a lot of these symptoms. Maybe it's a mood that changes, you know? Mm-hmm. You're feeling okay and then suddenly you're very sad, you know? Mm-hmm. Or you you can't go to sleep when your baby is sleeping. You know, they say sleep when the baby sleeps, like that's easy. That's a joke. It's such a joke. Like it's when are you supposed joke. to get anything else done? Right. Right. And yes, and this is another reason why we struggle so much is that productivity culture, right? Mm-hmm. So Ugh. we – a lot of women experience these things for a period of time. It's just really um, that they continue or that they're more severe that makes them qualified as postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. That just means that anxiety or depression that happens within the year following your child's birth. So, Oh, interesting. Because mm-hmm. it can happen at other times. You right. can become very anxious when, um, for example, you're weaning. I didn't uh-huh. know that. Mm-hmm. Or very depressed. Yeah, I had a friend who it hit her hard whenever yeah. she weaned. She didn't experience really any of it until she waned. And then it was just like the floodgates open. And she said, nobody, I had no idea that was a thing. So I just thought I was losing my mind. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing when we don't know what these symptoms are, we don't know how to like even put words around it. Then we can't get help for it and know that it's normal. A couple other things I should mention as symptoms of specifically depression, postpartum depression, or anxiety. Like this is when, let's get you back to your OB. Let's get you in to see a therapist. You need to go to an OB to get prescribed medication because these are signs that like we need to get you some help and get you mm-hmm. your body stabilized. Like, like I said, this isn't about your mindset. Right. This isn't about like being a good mom. It's about the changes that take place in your body mm-hmm. that are now making things um, – I don't even want to say unsafe, but intolerable. Yes, it can be unsafe, but it really is intolerable. So 
if you get to the point where like you don't want to take a shower, you don't want to get out of bed. And I mean like everyone has some days where you don't shower postpartum. Like we're gross. <laughs> sure. <but> whatever. <laughs> but you're like, I don't want to take care of myself. You know, if someone mm. comes into my office and they haven't brushed their teeth in a week, that sounds extreme. It's actually not. This happens quite a bit. That might be a sign that you, that it's getting more serious. Mm. Um, if you have tremendous fear of leaving your baby with someone else, this is one that I think a lot of us experience. But if it becomes like life inhibiting, you're probably running too hot. You're you're a little too anxious. If you can't mm-hmm. sleep because you're checking on your baby all the time, you need to come see me. Like because <laughs> until you sleep, that anxiety is not going to go away. And then if you can't find any joy, so we know that like those fir- first few months, joy can be hard to come by. It's not like fun goals. It's like it's hard. Mm-hmm. But if you do something that you used to like, and you know, I remember the first time we went to get lunch, we had family in, and my husband and I went to get lunch, and I just remember sitting across from him at the table eating a delicious hamburger, feeling like I didn't want to eat, feeling like I was going to be sick. So freaked out about the baby, feeling like I couldn't make eye contact. That was a that was another big sign that like it wasn't it wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to reiterate the fact that this is a physical and chemical yeah reaction because yes. we are so hard on ourselves, especially as moms, because we think that this is such a natural thing like this is how humanity is sustained billions of women have done it before us right am I just not cut out for this and that's something that I felt myself was okay if all of these other people have done it and succeeded Mm -hmm. what is wrong with me was Mm -hmm. I not created to be a mom like did I make a mistake when in reality it's which I've struggled with mental health um with both depression and anxiety for almost 10 years now. And I still, when I'm really in the thick of the darkness, I still have those questions of, is this just me? Like, is this just how, you know, just how it is? Is this just a problem that I have to deal with? When in reality, logically, you know, you can step back and see that this is so much more than just what's going on mentally. Yes. We have such a weird idea that like there's physical health like from your neck down, mm-hmm. which is totally okay to be suffering from physical health ailments. And mm-hmm. then there's mental health from like your neck up. Uh, there is no dividing line at your neck in your body. So true. Yeah. Mental health is physical health. The same hormones that run your whole being they run into your brain. The same mm-hmm. neurotransmitters that, I mean, they're sending messages, like they're impacted by everything going on in your body. The wild thing that we know now, I'm not an expert on this, but that your gut health mm-hmm. impacts your mental health. It's one of the biggest things. Like, I mean, that blows my mind. So we've stigmatized this whole area of health as mm-hmm. if you just need to like try harder. You know, we've moralized it. And that's bullshit. Oh, that's so true. Mm -hmm. I've never even thought about it that way, Mm -hmm. but we absolutely have moralized it. Like that defines if you're a good or bad person to so many people or sick or not sick. Right. Yeah. As if we never look at someone with cancer and we're like, try harder right? You know, we don't look at a kid with diabetes who's like taking his insulin and we're like, mm-hmm. loser, you know, like mm-hmm. that never happens. Mm-hmm. You should have thought more positive thoughts. Right. Right. Yeah. That's just yeah, insulin. This is just serotonin or, you know, norepinephrine or any of these things that are working in your body. So, mm-hmm. and I think that new moms and new dads, because this happens to moms and dads, are highly at risk for not being able to get the help and support and be honest about this stuff because we are all in like the performance of our life, right? Mm -hmm. Now this is my identity, a good mom, a good dad. And so then people say, no, no, I'm fine. 
I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm doing okay. And secretly, they're full of like, not just guilt, but shame. I am bad. I wasn't made for this. That was a feeling I had a lot. Mm. I wasn't made for this. Mm. One last sign that you might be having postpartum depression or anxiety would be that you have what's called intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's a thought that pops up and it's distressing. We have a billion thoughts all day long. I don't know the number. I want to say it's something like 60,000 thoughts all day long. They're, they just mm-hmm. pop up, right? But if you start to have a lot of ones that are really upsetting, and so for a new mom, that might be like, I was really afraid that I was going to bump my baby's head walking through the door frame. Sometimes moms have really scary thoughts. I'm going to harm my baby in this way. I don't want to say that's normal. That's something sure. that it's a flag that says to us like, oh, we're not doing great right now. But yeah. it's not wrong or bad. It's just another thought that your body's having. I like to think it's that part of your brain that is hardwired from the minute you have a baby to protect that baby, just going haywire, mm-hmm. you know? It's risk, 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 risk all the time. Now, this is really different than like postpartum psychosis, which is what gets all of the news. You know, I thought my baby was the devil, so I tried to hurt, hurt my baby or myself. That's not what most moms experience. That's a very, very, very small – that is a medical emergency hmm. that you need to go to the hospital for. But because that's what we see in the news, a lot of moms will have a scary thought like, I think about drowning my baby in the bathtub, which is absolutely a flag. Like, hey, sis, let's get you in and get your body back on track. And then let's tend to your mind but also your heart with a therapist because that leaves some marks. You think, I'm a monster. You're not. Just a woman whose body was going off track. You can have those scary thoughts, and that is a big flag to go and seek help. My thought that I had, it's almost like embarrassing to say it, but I lived in Houston at the time that I had my first baby. And Houston has no zoning. It's a very weird place. So our apartment complex was across the street from a fire fire station Mm-hmm. And in typical Houston, I, this is not really what it was, but it was like apartment complex, you know, fire station, restaurant, daycare, brothel, gas station. Like it would be all mixed up, you know, uh-huh. like it was just so weird. But I just remember looking at my baby and just having this really like strong conviction that like I was not meant to do this right now. He clearly doesn't like me. That's another thought. You know, if you think your baby doesn't like you, like let's get you some support. Wow. You know, but he yeah. clearly doesn't like me. I broke this one. I'm not supposed to have a baby. It was just a thought, right? I obviously didn't do it. But my thought was like, I'll just walk across the street to the fire station. Fire stations take babies. If they're at risk, you can just give them this baby. I'll walk back into my house and I'll go and I'll start over. Mm -hmm. I'll go back to work. I'll be my own self. It will be fine. My Like, you know, this played out as normal. Like, obviously – I wasn't thinking that my husband would walk in and be like, hey, where's our baby? I'd be like, oh, that did not work out. That didn't work out. We'll try that again in a few years. Obviously, we weren't ready. But that was my thought. And so Mm. a lot of people will have thoughts like, I want to run away. I will say he would have had plenty of mom options right down the road, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's the risk of Houston zoning right there. You know, I did a poll on Instagram before I had my baby while I was pregnant and I had noticed, and I laugh about this now because I'm like, I am this person. I noticed that it seems like a lot of women kind of just lose their shit and and fall, like go off their rocker after they have kids and desert their family and, you know, are living a double life and just have this extreme shift in identity and who they are. I'm so curious why that happens. And when I say this is me, I just mean like, I I feel like there's been a complete shedding of what was Mm. and just this new growth of Amanda as a mom. Mm -hmm. And that makes being a wife look completely different and being a business owner look completely different and everything has shifted Mm -hmm. Is there some sort of correlation to motherhood and this just complete identity shift? Yes. Yes. Of course. This is the biggest change. I think it's the biggest change you ever go through. 
I mean, we think get mar- getting married is a big deal and marriage is hard and it, it is a big deal, but it doesn't fundamentally change. Like you were dating this fool before, then you got married. Like you're pretty much in the same zone, right? Even if a lot of things change. When you become a mother, not only do you go through, or a father, you know, not only do you go through this tremendous experience that lasts for a long time, just that physical change that happens, but who you are changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that the change in identity is one of the hardest things that we don't talk about enough that impacts both men and women. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times for women, especially if it's like not going great at the beginning, which I, again, I, I make it sound like that's the exception. I think that's the norm. I think mm-hmm. it does not go great at the beginning. But for a lot of women, they just find that their world gets really small for a while. Yes. Your episode talking about community, the one mm-hmm. that y'all did about losing your um, – Our village. That mm-hmm. hit me hard because that was one of the hardest transitions for my husband and I. We mm-hmm. were always the couple mm-hmm. that hosted the parties, hosted the get-togethers. Mm-hmm. We kept our friend group together by planning social events and whatever else. We also were – older parents. And so a lot of our friends were younger and were either newly married Mm -hmm. or still dating or whatever, because all the people our age had kids and there's that natural separation and division Mm -hmm. there. So when we had our son, it was almost like we were completely ghosted and, and not any fault Mm -hmm. to our friends. It was the natural progression of life. And that was such an isolating and lonely mm-hmm. time because mm-hmm. our we we lost our village and so we, it was almost like we we're just yeah. standing there in silence with like a little dust thing blowing by and then this child mm-hmm. that would not sleep for the life of us right. so right. not right. only are we lonely but we're sleep deprived too and so right we're lonely mm-hmm. we're sleep deprived we don't like each other and we have this baby that we have to keep alive and it was right. awful it was awful but we don't it, talk about it is the just the natural progression of life of there there is going to be transition in relationships and in community and in friendships that is a whole nother grieving process in itself because you're grieving oh my gosh girl what was and trying to figure out mm-hmm. what's going to be oh the grieving it, this is so important so we've got our identity and how that shifts we've got your social world and how that shifts because like you said this is so i mean it's foundational mm-hmm. especially if you're the first in your group or the last in your group to have babies, unless you're like, you just happen to have that wonderful um, coincidence that you live with within one mile of all of your college girlfriends and you like all have babies mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, you probably are going through this mm-hmm. alone. People that you used to hang out with, things that you used to do. Like, do you remember getting ready to go out at 10? Because we used to do that. I remember napping at like 7 p.m. to get ready to. Right. Go, the idea of that now makes me want to vomit. Yes, just things that were normal, right? Or you could you would stand, or you'd be like, "Well, we had a rough, we had a rough night. Like, let's sleep in. Let's meet for brunch." You know, brunch is gone. Mm-hmm. It's all gone. What is brunch? <laughs> it's gone. You know, or I'm gonna have a couple mimosas at brunch, and my day won't be right. completely train wrecked. Right. Right. So, so much of what you used to do, and then for a lot of women, I think. You know, you might either have a maternity leave, mm-hmm. you might stop working for a season of time, your whole professional identity can shift or at least be compromised. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, I used to, you know, work a really high stress job where we'd work 60 hours a week or whatever, and it's not working well. Maybe I go back and still try to do it, but, you know, then the mm-hmm. baby's sick. And then someone has to be home and then it's probably me. And now I hate mm-hmm. my husband because, you know what I mean? Because it's like, mm-hmm. well, what the hell? Our, our identity at work changes, our identity in our friendship group changes. And it's really normal to say, I miss my life or like I used to have mm-hmm. a life, mm-hmm. you know? Now all I do is I'm trapped in this place with this baby 
and I'm bored out of my mind and it's grueling at the mm-hmm. same time. Like how is it possible that I'm bored? <laughs> Because you don't do anything, baby. Like I'm just – and then you're just feeding and the breastfeeding's terrible and I'm trying to do this, you know. And then and then like what are we doing now? Now you're awake for 30 minutes and then I have to like try to put you down and that's like mm-hmm. a trial. Like I can't even get to Target. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't want to. And then you go, my my life now? My high point's getting to Target? <laughs> like what the hell is my life? We have really you know? hit rock bottom. <laughs> we don't become a character of what we think – you know, the next stage is going to be. But for a lot of us, I think that we say like, oh, I'm not going to be like that when I'm a mom. Or everything's going to be the same. Mm. And you are going to be like that and everything's not the same. You also mentioned this shifting your friend group. And I think one of the things that we are not prepared for is because a lot of us don't have a community that will see us through. I think there's a dead zone for a lot of women between like zero and kindergarten. Mm. You kind of have to put a lot of effort into going, I'm going to sign up for mommy and me music class, not because I want to sit in mommy and me music class, but because I got to see like who else is giving the eyes, like they don't want to be here and be like, you're my girl, right? And some of that is just luck. You know, some of it's a lot of effort. You got to show up places. You got to read the room a little bit. You know, you have to be not afraid to you know, find the mom at the playground who looks a little bit like you and be like, hey, we have kids the same age. Can we be mm-hmm. best friends now? Can I have your phone number? You know? You look like you didn't brush your teeth this morning either. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You're like, we're both on day two, so yep. we're cool, right? <laughs> like, you're good, good-ish. Like, are we good? You know? There's a whole process of having to build a new community, and a lot of it is – a lot of it's effort, but a lot mm-hmm. of it's luck. I mean, you have to find that right fit person, and then you can spend – five years before you end up sharing time and space with a community of your peers, aka people who have children who are five and entering Mm -hmm. kindergarten. You know, we have a real dead zone there. How do we fix that? I mean, I think it really does come down to first knowing Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. You know, if you do have a group of people that you're involved in, if you're involved in a church, double Mm -hmm. down, girl. Like if you are involved in a workout class, like find the fit for mom. You know, try to prepare a little bit. Start scoping, not not until you have your baby, but don't be afraid to show up where the moms are. And don't be afraid to be the one who asks, hey, you want to come over? Want to hang out? Babies are boring. Want to hang with me <laughs> during the morning? You know? The seasons that were um, tolerable or even good in early childhood for me were when I just happened to, through that process of like, showing up places and not being afraid to talk to people and then also not being afraid to like let it go when it's not a good fit because sometimes we're so desperate. We're like, I'm going to take this square peg and try to fit it into a round hole. Like we don't vibe outside of the fact that we both have six-month-olds, but I'm going to try real hard. But when I found a couple of good fit mom friends who managed to be my person, that's what I was looking for was my person for a couple of years. That helped. Those days were much Mm. different than the days when I didn't have anyone. And I think too, knowing that it's okay that we're going to have shifts in friendships and it doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. the loyalty isn't there or that, you know, we won't come back in a different season to the same type of friendship, but so many people try to cling on to what was and the friendship as Mm -hmm. it, as it was and knowing it's okay if you take a couple years and y'all are in different seasons mm-hmm. of life. That doesn't mean that mm-hmm. y'all don't love yep. each other or you're not, you know, there yep. for each other or it's mm-hmm. part of it. And it's okay to grieve that yeah. and it's okay to be sad about it. Cause that's the other part that I think can create a lot of guilt is missing what was. And right. That's what I mean, that's that it's okay. Like it's okay to miss who you were before. I'm assuming it's okay to miss, you know, who you were and what life was like before. It doesn't mean you don't enjoy life now or you would trade anything, but that's just part of the process, the growth process. It's not just okay. It is a hundred percent expected. It is normal. It's natural. And I think you were weird if you didn't grieve Mm -hmm. and notice this massive shift in your Mm -hmm. life. You used to be able to do anything that you wanted anytime that you wanted, and now you can't. And that's hard, Mm -hmm. and you should notice that. And sometimes we don't talk about it, but we should. There is such a difference, and I know this from working with 
women, this is what I do most of the time, is work with women through pregnancy, postpartum, parenting years. When we know that it's normal, we can get through it with, without that extra like heavy layer of shame or guilt. What, mm-hmm. you know, you're not then going, what's wrong with me that I think this? I'm a monster of a mm-hmm. mother. You know, I always wanted to have kids and now I'm failing at that and I'm not even happy about it. You know, these are hard, painful, heavy things to carry. Mm-hmm. And it's not just you who's going through this ship. Your partner's mm-hmm. going through it as well. So you're both mm-hmm. experiencing this drastic change. So no wonder yeah. there's tension yeah. there and there's got to be regrowth in the relationship because you're both shedding what was. Yeah. Both of your social worlds are completely thrown apart. Mm -hmm. Your identities do shift. I think women's more than men Mm -hmm. at this point. I think a lot of times that can cause division Mm -hmm. between a husband and a wife. And so you're both a lot of times experiencing loneliness Mm -hmm. in your relationship. I mean, as much as I think about how hard this is for women, I think, man, that must be really hard for men to be like, you know, I had this woman who was so vibrant in all of these ways, who we just love spending time together, who when I would come home from work, she'd be like, hey, what's up? Or, you know, we'd make plans to go out for dinner or drinks, and she liked me. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, a lot of couples will make maybe an unstated agreement that like, well, I'm breastfeeding and you're going back to work, so I'll be up at night. It's like, well, but now we agreed that that was how it was going to work, but she hates yep. me. She And she's not herself, but he may also not be himself, like just to be clear. So, you know, like you mentioned, you had a traumatic delivery and a NICU stay and your husband was feeling that. Mm-hmm. One in seven women, this is before the pandemic, so I think it's really low. One in seven women experiences postpartum depression. One in 10 dads experiences postpartum depression or anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Wow. I think most of us get our asses kicked. And then, you know, we lose our our sense of stability and connection and vibrancy in life. And then we look at each other and we probably go, you did this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. There's so much more that we could unpack and dive into. Mm -hmm. And I had asked my Instagram friends to share some of their struggles and we didn't even get to any of that. So will you come back sometime? Oh my gosh, I would love to. This has been so great. I'd love to come back. I would love that. Wasn't that so good? Did you just feel seen? I definitely know that I did. I have two things for you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you are listening And also give a follow to Andrea and Jessica over at Honest Women. You are missing out and you have a lot to catch up on with them. The information is in the show notes below where you can give them a follow and check out their podcast. And we'll see you next week.